It's never too early to talk NBA draft. Combo Nation. What is up, everyone? And welcome to episode 410 of Combo's Court. And I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, and if you would like to receive bonus Combo's Court content, check out the Patreon page. I'll leave a link in the show notes for that. Today's show, Tyler Rucker of No Ceilings joins in to talk NBA draft. We look at the NBA outlook of players such as Wemby, Bob Bob Miller, Dariq Whitehead, and more intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Ceilings. Welcome to Combo's Court, man. How you feeling? Andrew, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me on. How, how are we feeling? We got we got basketball around the corner, baby. This is magical time of the year. Most definitely. Um, I feel like everybody like kind of went into your world when this uh, Wemby and Scoot thing was happening, right? <laughs> it's like you guys at No Ceilings are covering the draft all year round. Probably after 2023, the very next day, you're thinking about two, uh, 2024, you know, and stuff to that effect. Or maybe you're thinking about 2024 already. But um, how is that just having the whole basketball world or the whole world in general? Probably people's grandmas know about Wemby and Scoot at this point. How is that for you going through that process and just seeing that? It, it was remarkable. I mean, you know, I always joke with the guys at No Ceilings. I'm like, hey, don't get me doing big boards so early in the year. Let's wait. Let's get a let's get a slate of these prospects so we can watch some games, but going to see women Yama and, and Scoot Henderson in Vegas, you know, special, um, you can feel the buzz around there and, and that game lived up to the hype. And now it seems like it's the draft community's ready to go. Like it's the earliest in the year that I think everyone's excited about it. And gosh, you know, this class is just going to be unbelievable. So really excited for the future with all these guys. Yeah, I mean, I watched Wemby play a good amount before then, so I wasn't surprised at everything he was doing. Right. But the shoot, but the shooting was incredible, and just the improvement overall was good. Like, he looked a little bit stronger. The handle looked a little bit better. Like, you could tell he's been working. Yeah, and that was the biggest takeaway I saw from kind of going to evaluate him in person was the the preparation to get ready for the games. He's a technician. He really takes it serious, and he wants to be great, and you, you can see that mentality, but – like you said, it, it wasn't anything you hadn't seen if you'd watched him or followed him closely, but kind of putting it all together in, in the span of two games in one week, with just some of the stuff he put, you could see the confidence was rolling and special talent, especially at 7-4 to be able to do that stuff. I mean, woo, it's going so, yeah. to be fun. Yeah, like he, he would be the number one pick overall, even if the numbers weren't staggering. And the first game was super impressive. But after watching two games, it felt like to me – like, if they played 10 games, this is kind of how it would look every game. Yeah, and I think that was the biggest um, reason for him leaving Asvel with, with the EuroLeague to go play with the Metropolitans 92 this year was he wanted to have more, you know, opportunity to showcase his ability, get a little bit more run and, and, you know, consistent minutes. And like you said, 
even after that first game with, with the tools and the raw potential that he has in that size, we know how NBA teams and executives are going to be drooling over size and you, you, you can't teach that, but I mean, right now it, it looks like this is just the type of guy, as long as he can stay healthy, this is a potential force at the, at the NBA level. A while back, I said that he's the best prospect since Luca. Was I underestimating him? I'm so proud that you used Luca there instead of LeBron. Everyone's focusing on LeBron. And I was like, what about that other guy that starts with an L? Luca had a pretty good resume coming overseas. But, you know, I, I think it's just everyone's getting really excited about dreaming about what Victor could be. Um, because we're also seeing, you know, this type of force with Giannis and how his measurables are dominating at the next level. But now all of a sudden it looks like Victor could be the outside shooting version of that. So we're all getting really excited. I don't know. Luca's still a special, special prospect in, in my opinion, just because of the body of work he had coming into the NBA. I mean, I don't know if we'll ever see a resume like that before getting drafted from a prospect. He was just special, but I don't know. That's I, I like your opinion there. I like that you use Luca and not LeBron. I appreciate and that was that was before the game. So after the games, I'm like, did I not give him enough credit, <laughs> you know, after watching that? But uh, Scoot and Wemby are obviously, in my opinion, gonna be the number one, in everybody's opinion, the number one and number two pick, pretty much no matter what happens. Who do you think's in the mix for number three? I know it's really early, but let's say you had to take an educated guess, who would you go with? Um, you know, my personal favorite, I would say, is Cameron Whitmore, um, freshman mm. going to Villanova. He's about 6'8". I think he's around 220. He's just nasty. He, he's one of those you kind of hold your breath when he's attacking the basket, when he's got a clear lane. And I think the outside shot's really developing. He's just – he's nasty. He's, I mean, that's the one word you're going to hear about him a lot because when he dunks on people, he is – you know, he's lighting up. It's just one of those Dominique Wilkins, like you hold your breath because of how much power he's going with. But if the rest of the game can take strides forward, when we're talking in like that three level scoring, I think he's got special tools. And then another name that's getting a lot of attention is uh, Eamon Thompson, who's with the overtime elite. He's got really special skills. He's got great playmaking vision, some good two way upside, just that outside shot needs to probably take that next step forward. But it's a really fun class. There's a, there's a lot of guys that could potentially, you know, get up there and, and really climb and make some momentum this year. But I'm excited to especially see Whitmore. I think Whitmore's going to Nova. I think he's got a shot to really shock some people. And when you say Nova, I think that tells you that he has an advantage right away because Villanova just seems to have good pros all the time. I mean, whether it's all-stars or solid role players, like they just develop good basketball players and good pros. Yeah, and it's going to be, you know, Jay Wright retiring was kind of a, a, a bummer, but I think everyone's going to be kind of like, okay, how can this still figure out? But they're going to have their bones, their foundation when it comes to developing players. And with Whitmore – he needs to fine tune some fundamentals. So it's like, Oh, perfect. You're going to the right place. That that's probably going to bring that out of your game. So it's, it's the Villanova track record. When we're talking about like Michael Bridges, Jalen Brunson, guys like that really is going to help him because NBA scouts and executives almost have a soft spot. Cause like you're saying, they've had a great track record. They have a lot of guys that have played a long time in this, in this league. And, and it's going to be exciting to see. Sadiq Bay, Kyle, yes. the, the, list go, the list goes on and on. But let's shift to Duke because we have Dariq Whitehead coming into his freshman year, suffered an unfortunate injury to his foot. But what do you think he has to prove this season 
to solidify himself as a top five prospect. Man, Andrew, I like Dariq Whitehead a lot. Um, that's kind of the name I didn't mention to get up to, to number three. But I think if, you know, obviously he's going to be off to a little bit of a slow start with that injury. Um, but he's got the tools to kind of shock some people and get up there. He, I like his game a lot. He's physical. He's big. Um, he's got a lot of talent on the wing. I think he's nasty defensively. I think he's got potential to be a real force on that side of the ball. And I think the offense is is blossoming. I think it's coming along in a hurry. So going to Duke with that team, they're going to have a lot of really good pieces on that roster. I think if he can just showcase the, the offensive versatility and show that he can lock in defensively, I think – they wouldn't shock me if, if scouts start falling in love because we've seen some, some preseason videos of their practices. I feel like I've heard the buzz that he's been looking great. Um, I think that's just a motivated guy. And the shot, his shot was taking such a, a big leap from high school each year that I feel like if it's still on that right path towards going in the right direction, that is going to be a humongous, you know, asset for him moving forward, especially, Scouts had concerns about that shot, but it looks so much better each year. I think that will be uh, if he can showcase that and then shoot at a high clip, that's going to be great for his, his stock. There's a few Millers in this draft. I talked about Brandon Miller. So we'll focus on Baba Miller today. Um, is he the best unicornish type prospect not named Wemby in this draft? He's got a lot of fans in the draft community. A lot of people are talking about Baba Miller, you know, I'm excited to watch him. You know, when you asked me to come on here, I was pumped out of my mind. So I was like, okay, I got it. He wants to talk about Bob Miller. Let's, let's talk about Miller. <laughs> but you know, you watch his tape. He was playing overseas. Um, really impressed in the Adidas next generation tournament with real Madrid. And he is a unicorn. He's got great length. He's humongous, but he's all of a sudden one of these guys that can grab and go. He can take a defensive rebound, push it up the floor then he you're watching him he's throwing out dimes and he's making blocks he's just kind of got a little bit of everything and he's going to the right place that they love those wings that are unicornish you know like scotty barnes and um patrick williams so florida state and toronto loves those wings and let's just get let's just get those big wings that could guard everybody that could do special things and we'll teach them how to shoot exactly we should just like messiah's just got a pipeline to florida state he's like just send them all (laughs) to my way i'll take care of them but um, I, I really like Bob Miller. I think he's one of those intriguing guys that you, you quickly turn on the tape and you find yourself going, okay, I need to watch as much as possible when it comes to this kid. He's the unicorn. I think he's the wild card in this class because if he hits the ground running in, in college basketball this year, scouts are going to be falling in love in a hurry. It doesn't take long to see why. So, and the outside shot looks good to me. So a lot of, a lot of interesting tools. It's just how quickly can they all come together? Right. I think because it just happens to be the year with Wemby that maybe Baba Miller might fall under the radar a little bit like an international prospect with like a 2k type game, but everybody's just focused on Wemby. So Baba might actually fall under the radar no matter how he plays at Florida state, because everybody will be talking about Wemby, 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 when they think about the unicorn player from overseas. 100%. 100%. It's funny that you you mentioned it that way, like the 2K player. I feel like this is literally the 2K draft. We're getting like the, you try to create as long as possible with the biggest wingspan and you get Victor, but then Baba Miller with like the playmaking and even Scoot. It, Scoot, when I saw him in person, he was just, he's stocky. He's he's going to be a problem. Like as, as much as 
Victor Wimanyama was fantastic. Constant pressure on the defense from him, right? Yes. Yeah. I I talked to Tyler Metcalf on our No Ceilings pod, and, and I was just like, as much as Victor impressed me, Scoot was right there because he's playing the game so mature. It's slowing down for him. He's he's making the defense collapse on him. He's, he's special. That's going to be another yeah. really, really good guy. But I don't want to get off traffic, topic. Sorry, no. I'm next excited. No, we, to we, go, we go with the flow here. We can talk point <laughs> guards because obviously he's the best point guard in the draft. The guy that I'm a huge proponent of is Anthony Black. I don't yes. know your thoughts on his game, but who are some of the best point guards in this draft, in your opinion? So I really like Anthony Black. I'm, I'm proud that you mentioned that. You know, you can come on the No Ceilings pod anytime you want, Andrew. We <laughs> love that. No, but I like Anthony Black. I have a weakness for those guys that understand pace of game and, and yes. how to play with gears. And and making the right pass often, even if it doesn't lead to the assist. Exactly. I like that too. Yeah. Humongous. It doesn't have to. Like hockey assists in a weird yes. way. Like I, yes. I'm, a, yes. I'm a sucker for that. I think Anthony Black's the guy that I – he might not put up the huge numbers this year, but I think scouts will get really, really excited about him because it's the size and everything we just talked about. Nick Smith is going to be up there because he's got the three-level scoring. Um, he needs to show some more consistency from outside, but he's going to Arkansas. They're going to have a stacked team. He's playing alongside Anthony Black. I just kind of am more intrigued to see what Anthony Black can do this year because I think the the shot will come along, but he needs the the one thing I want to see from him is he needs to be a little bit more aggressive with getting his own because he's he, in a weird way he plays too unselfish. And it's not mm. a bad thing, but he's got yeah. a beautiful touch around the basket. He's got some float game. He's got some wiggle. I really, really like Anthony Black, but Nick Smith's going to be the one that I think everyone's going to be heating up on in a hurry. Why so? He can just light it up. Um, he's kind of got that swagger from a potential starting point guard. He's around 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, I think Arkansas's team's website has him at 6'5", but we always know they round up. So... I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting, but he can, like, he can light it up in multiple levels. He's got that, that swagger when it comes to creating for his teammates. He just plays with a lot of confidence and I don't know it. it he's the one I want to watch more of because I was colder on him going into the pre-draft or the preseason evaluation. Then I kept watching and I was like, okay, I understand why, but I'm still now I'm thrown all off because you threw Anthony Black at me right out of the gate. And I was like, yes, I love it. <laughs> Thank you. So um, but there's a lot of good guards in this class. There, I, there's a lot of talent everywhere. Yeah. I mean, everybody talks about like the GM polls for the best point guard, which John Morant was left off, which is a little crazy to me. Yeah, um, always interesting. I, I, I talked about that. But I mean, you know, everybody knows how high I am on Luca and Luca and Steph are the top of the PG list. Are they really PGs? I don't know. I think like Chris Paul is like the epitome of a traditional pure point guard. Not only in this draft, but just drafts to come. Do you see any players like that coming up that could fit that like Chris Paul type mold? That's not a hybrid or just like a multiple position player, like a true pure point guard. Um, It, it might be Nick Smith. The problem with, I want to say Anthony Black, but he's so big. He's six yeah, seven. That's, that's so, the thing. Yeah. Um, you know, Nick Smith might be that. But I do be- love players that are of that mold that are like six seven, six eight. Like I love that. Yeah. You know? Like, like Kate is like that a little bit, even though he yes. plays so well off the ball, and that makes him hybridish a little bit. I I completely agree with you. I think 
Cade was the one I was thinking, you know, Sean Livingston was one of those guys. I absolutely loved just how he played the game. Um, Yes. Yes. And he changed it to like a, put your back to you, get in the mid range and shoot the, the shoot the, like he kind of changed his game when he got with the Warriors a little bit. It was funny. His post, his post, like, you know, when he, when he was with the Warriors, like kind of the twilight of his career, but it was funny. Cause he was like, I'm not shooting threes. Like I'm six, seven. I'm and I'm smart. I'm just going to go to the post and put my back to you all the time. And I love that. I, I love, I always say like, guys know their shots, like guys know how to get to their spots. And, and that's what Livingston did. And I think you're also seeing, that's happening with some of these prospects. They're showing maturity and um, that for a guy like Anthony black, maybe that's what he does is like, Hey, I, yeah. I can get my teammates their shots, but I also know when it's my time. And that's a, that's a rare thing for a young prospects, but we've seen that, you know, we've seen that with some guys over the years. So we already talked about Wemby and Baba, who I wouldn't consider in any sense of the word, a traditional big, but you know, bigs, they don't sell sneakers. But um, you need them to play basketball still, you know? Yes. You need bigs to, to win games. So who are some of the best bigs in the draft? You know, Derek Lively is going to get a lot of attention. Going to Duke, um, real talented, athletic. One of those, you know, if, if he showcases a high motor and can lock in on the defensive side of the ball and be an anchor, yeah, teams are going to fall in love in a hurry because I, I always feel like if you got size and athleticism, NBA teams are going to be a fan some way. But he's just got to show that the motor stays, you know, running hot. Um, Khalil Ware going to Oregon. Another same story, really gifted shot blocker. He really sh- showed some impressive strides like in the McDonald's All-American game and kind of the hoop summit. Um, he needs to he needs to play with a higher motor too, because there's some games you watch him. You're like, Oh my goodness. He's all over the place. There's some games you're like, wait, he's been on the court. Like never want to disappear when you're on tape. Um, I'm trying to think of some other guys for you. Ooh, I had the, I had a wild card. Oh, maybe a wild card. I'll just throw out there. International guy, James Naji, really raw, big man playing for uh, Barcelona this year. He's got some tools, some, some serious flashes around like six ten, but just really raw. He needs a lot of reps. So um, those are those are a couple names that I'm thinking of off the top of my head. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's shift to the rookies of this year because you obviously covered them closer going up the regs. I was very high on Jovic, very high on Ben Matherin, and they are playing absolutely great. Uh, Tyler Benota, I'll pull out my receipts and uh, talk about my <laughs> – but um, – any rookie takeaways from this preseason? Like any rookies that have impressed you or kind of just, you know, maybe something you already knew that now you're getting to see and uh, it's coming to fruition. Um, Yeah. I don't want to pat my back here. You're, you're I do it all the time, Tyler. <laughs> I do it. Tyler. I do it all. The, I almost annoy myself with how many yeah. receipts I pull out. I had a whole um, Ben Mather and post the other day on Instagram, you know, that's what I do, Tyler. I absolutely <laughs> love Benedict Matherin. I, I thought he was going to be a guy that could potentially hit the ground running with the NBA game just because yeah. you saw that his confidence was surging last year at Arizona. Right. Indiana's got a real good one. He he's he's made he's got that mentality for the NBA game because he's just physical. He's not afraid of anyone. He wants the challenge. So I think he's gonna be outstanding. Um you know, I don't, are they, they better figure out a way to start him before. Oh my God. <laughs> he has to, they got to build around him and Tyrese. And I think yes. they're a great fit. They're going to be dynamic for years. When they took him 
I said, oh man, because Halliburton was one of my favorite prospects I've ever scouted. Just, I loved watching that film. And when they took Matherin, I was like, ooh, those two could really have some fun together. So I hope they do that. And I thought Duarte is going to be a nice little wrinkle next to them. Yeah. But um, him, Keegan And they all got tools to defend. Yes. That's the thing. Like Ben's weakness in college, his supposed weakness was defense. But then you look at him and you know he has all the tools and that'll come. So like what are really this guy's weaknesses? Maybe self-creation, but he showed that on the national team for Canada. So it's like, man, this dude like really had it all. And he was going under the radar a little bit. But then finally, I think he got closer to where he, I thought he belonged in top five, but at least he went six, which is closer to where he belonged. I'm with you. The whole year, it feel it was, there's always this one prospect that everyone has something to, to pick apart on their Scotty Barnes. He was the Scotty yep. Barnes of this draft. Not, not, Barnes. not in terms of play style, just in terms of falling under the radar. Then teams kind of realize late that right. this guy should be that kind of prospect. And Matherin was the guy that everyone's like, well, you know, can he improve from his freshman year? And it's like, yes, check. He did that. And then it's like, well, what about his self-creation? I was like, okay, he can clearly get his shot when he wants to, whether it's on the ball, off the ball. And then there was like, well, what about some playmaking? And I was like, I just watched the USC game. He's throwing dimes all over the place. So it's there. The defense, I went and saw in person, and I saw a couple of possessions where I was like, oh, boy, he can be a nasty defender. He just has to have that motor going more consistently. And I think it's – they made him do so much offensively last year at Arizona Mm -hmm. that I think he just – he tried to pick his, his spots defensively of when he yeah. could go. And then he gets back. He, he knows but... how to fit within the constructs of a team. Yes. And you know what it is? Like if you could always nitpick a prospect, because if they show a lot of creation with the basketball and that just happens to be the tendency of their team, like, Oh, how's he going to fit in with another star? Right? Like that could be his weakness. And then if he shows that he plays a lot off the ball, Oh, can he be a star? Like, can we put him in the top five? He's more of an off the ball guy. So no matter like what your tendencies are for that team, you could always find something to like not put them in the top five. If that makes sense. A hundred percent. If you're not in love with the prospect, you can always find something to pick apart on their game right. because you're right. trying, you're trying to be the car salesman. That's just like, well, 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 well I don't want to, you know, he's not going to go that high because of this. Like he could go later. And it's like, all right, now we're just, we're overthinking this. Um, Another guy I thought we overthought that, that's impressed me is Keegan Murray. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, I just, man. Like, right from the minute. I mean, I always liked him, but when I saw him in summer league, just yeah. the poise he played with, incredible. It, it, it He was one of those when, when summer league was starting. I was like, this is either going to really quickly become obvious or this is going to be ugly. And then he just started lightening up. And I was like, no, he, he looks exactly like what we all thought. I know, you know, it's like the overreaction thing, but you could kind of tell in one game in a lot of ways, it's not really the stats. It's like the way a player does it, you know, a hundred percent. It just was looking easy. It, it, it didn't look much different from college. It was like, yes, he's yes. still doing the same stuff. Or even better because of the spacing. Exactly. And yeah. now this, he's got more spacing, so it, it's making his life easier. I think he's just – he was a prospect the whole year. I thought everyone was going to be bored watching his tape, so no one was going to be all in on him because they're like, he's mm. boring. And it's like, yeah, but he's a he's a robot. He's, he does his job every day, punches the clock, and goes to work. Rookie of the year. So my preseason rookie of the year prediction was Paulo. Um, I thought Chet had the highest upside. 
but I definitely thought Paula would win rookie of the year. I would love to see Ben win it. So what are your, what's your prediction for rookie of the year? If you had to pick one guy, I'll stick with Paulo for the record. Okay. Um, I, I like your Paulo pick a lot. Um, I don't know if Matherin could get up there, but the problem is the rookie year is always like they'll, they'll give a lot of momentum to the teams that are winning. I feel like even if they, which shouldn't be for that award. No, it shouldn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think Paulo's a great pick. I would have probably picked Chet um, if he was going to play this year. I'll go a little, I'll, I'll bring up a guy out of nowhere. I think Jaden Ivey will have a little bit of a shot. I've, I've liked what I've seen from him. The body, the body language was concerning me yesterday, Tyler. You getting really upset. Did you watch that game yesterday? No, Andrew, see, you're, you're catching me off guard now. I and and another thing is, is like, I, I, I think he's super athletic, super dynamic. I did not like the John Morant, Jaden comparisons. Like, I didn't see it. He doesn't have the feel that um, Morant has. He doesn't have the basketball IQ Morant has. He's not a pure point guard. He's kind of like, even though in a positionless sport, he's kind of in between that point guard shooting guard i never like that comparison i don't know about you i gotta i gotta run with that too because i agree with you because it seems like every explosive point guard we're just saying okay it's john morant now and i'm like no 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 no. we need to remember no, like, how like good it Murray's- was yeah it was he was john morant was so special in college it was crazy yeah it, Murray State John Morant like had me like ready to put him one over Zion. I was watching those games like this dude is ridiculous with his passes. Right. But right. I, I I didn't like that comparison with him and Ivy. I, I said, yeah, they're you could compare them when it's transition. That's about it. And I was like, other right. than that, the in-between games are they're not that similar. But I think Ivy's just gonna be one of these, you know, ups and downs the whole year until he kind of figures it out. But when he's rolling, Great he's fit. rolling. Yes, great, great fit next fit. to Cade. Next Love to Cade. That's a bit like that's almost like the Tyrese. I mean, they're totally different players, but like that Tyrese Ben fit is is a great fit, just like Cade and Ivy is. Like, I love those two fits next to each other. Well, and I think when you're an NBA team now, you need to get two guys in that backcourt that not only can fit right away, but fit while you both develop your game moving forward. And that's kind of why I love that fit so much is because they will keep adding to each other's games and, and it's going to be a dangerous thing when they're, they're both ready to roll. But I love the fit at first. I was like, I don't know. And now I'm like, okay, no, this could be really, really fun for Detroit. All right. Two more things. Yeah. Um, Wemby scoot. We talked about them a lot. Um, Let's bring this full circle because of them. A lot of teams will be tanking. And now after those two games, um, you could kind of sell the tank. To the to the fan bases, I think, right? So there might be more. And GM's got to see them. Like obviously, the scouts are on the floor. They're going overseas to watch these players play. Now the decision makers get to watch them play these two games. Maybe they saw a few clips. Maybe they watch full games. I don't know. But when it's in your face, it's a little bit different. There's going to be a lot of tanking this season. Did you ever think of a solution for the tanking oh, issue? If you want to call it an issue. No, I, I, you know, I have been thinking about this nonstop, especially I think about it before you even asked me. And then I was like, oh boy, I don't know a solution. I know who was it. If someone a couple of years ago thought of like the wheel or something where you have to, or if like you got a top five pick one year, you couldn't get it the next year or something like that, where it was kind of all over that. The problem is, is I feel like every time someone presents a solution, it's like, well, this is the big counter reason why. I don't know. You got anything, Andrew? Hit me with something. Single elimination tournament of some sort. 
See, those are the ones that I start getting intrigued with when they start saying that stuff. But it's like you would okay. have it would have to be a lot of nuance to it. Like I haven't put enough thought into it because I know you could probably nitpick that idea as well. But um, yeah, like to see some kind of tournament for the number one pick would be awesome. I think the problem I'm right there with you because then you all of a sudden how does it how do you make it to the veterans like where it's enticing? And, do you get everyone and, a million dollar bonus or something? Or and you know what I would do in those games? I would experiment new rules too. Like, like how they do in the G League, like just do some yes. different stuff, you know, like this is 2022. You got to try new things. I think like make some rules that speed the game up. Those are young players for the most part, probably playing in that tournament, like have a tournament like that, make it funky, make it fun and have like, you know, how like whoever wins gets the number one pick. I don't know how you would do it. I think obviously there'd still be teams tanking to get to that tournament. So, I mean, but yo, you got to play to get the number one pick. I think you, what you do is you do a one-on-one -on -one tournament with all the team owners. <laughs> we get, you know, can you imagine if we have to have Yo, like Cuban, Cuban been working. Well, they're not in, they're not in any position to take now, but I've seen he's been working on his jump shot. He all might I win need, that. Hey, I just need Steve Ballmer on defense. I think there there would be more oh, his, passion than Kevin Garnett out there. Oh, he has a higher motor and more passion than than. <laughs> A lot of these draft prospects, yo, he, yo, he is insane with the with the uh, with the fire he shows. Like his oh fandom gosh. is crazy. He's like a super fan. It is unbelievable. Every time he has a mic, I like hold my breath and just buckle up. And he surprises me every time. Yo, I'm, the I'm players must be like, 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 <laughs> what is going on here? You know what I, I mean? mean? Kawhi's gonna write a book about like his interactions with Balmer during his time with the Clippers. Kawhi definitely needs to write a book. A yeah, tell-all yes. book. That if anyone be. does, he needs to. But um, I don't know. I mean, the problem is, is I think this year it's going to be the most glaring. The 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 tank, you know, the amount of tanks we're going to see this year is going to be vicious. So I don't know. They're going to have to be creative and figure out something. But it 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 is really really nuts because I think this year is going to be you know silver's already waving the you better be careful with you know load management on certain players and, and obvious ways to, you know, try to lose some games because it's, it's clear. Like I love thunder fans. We saw some lineups last year with the thunder and the blazers where you're like, they're, they're starting these guys. And I know those teams will be like, yeah, we want to get extended looks at players. And I was like, you're not getting extended looks at some of those guys. Those guys have been, you know, in the G league for a long, long time, but Teams are, are going to be trying to do everything they can to not only get Victor, get Scoot too, because Scoot is right up there. Oh, yeah. You know, he'd, he'd be a number one pick in most drafts. Let's end with this, Tyler. One thing you believe about draft analysis that you can't prove. Ooh. One thing I believe about draft analysis that you can't prove. That you can't prove. That I can't prove? Yeah, but you just believe it when looking at a player. <sighs> wow. I, I, I think you can – oh, gosh. Now you're going to make me look like a real jerk. Um, <laughs> I think you can really see guys that belong at the next level. I think it pops, like, right away on tape. I think the big thing is, like, when you're watching a guy, you can either tell pretty quickly of, like – this guy could play at the next level. And, and sometimes it takes a little bit longer to get that feel and see that long-term potential and, and upside. 
And it's something you might not be able to explain, but you can but, just see it. Yeah, like you could see it. And some guys, you know, a lot of guys would understand what I'm trying to say, but it's just like sometimes you can see a player, how they move on the court, how they how they see things. So, and, and you can be like, oh, mm. you can play. but it's tough to it's tough to prove that. And that's what I'm still trying to do. That's why we have a website, noceilingsnba.com, where we're trying to educate everyone on what we're seeing um, from a scout side. But it's just sometimes you can see, like, Tyrese Halliburton was one of those guys. It did not take long for me to be like, yep, yeah, he's playing at the next level. And it was even 100%. before his year he declared. And Scotty uh-huh. Barnes, I was like, I think you could tell him also when a guy's going to make some momentum. Deserves to go a lot higher than he's projected. Most definitely. Tyler, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Where can we find you on social media and everywhere else? I'm at Tyler underscore Rucker on uh, social media. And for all of my work and, and my talented team of writers and scouts, we're at noceilingsnba.com. It's absolutely free. Andrew, thank you for coming, having me come on. And anytime you want, just ask me. I'm there. That's awesome. You're more than gracious with your time. Really appreciate you. Good luck with the draft season and talk soon. There it is, another episode of Combo's Court. Thank you to everyone who tunes into the show across the globe. Punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. And big thanks to Tyler for joining in. If you would like to receive bonus Combo's Court content, check out the Combo's Court Patreon page. I'll leave a link in the show notes for that. Share this episode. Share with a friend. Share it on your IG stories and tag me on there. That's right. Take a screenshot of this episode. Share it on your IG stories and tag me on IG at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Be on the lookout for episode 411-Combo out.